0: Everyone, welcome back to Two Pupils in a Pod. We are your hosts for the show, Fatima and Sakina, and we're super delighted to have you back for our third episode. Yes,
1: today on the Education Empire, we'll be talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the education sector. Now, the education sector is a group of institutions which consists of ministries of education, local educational authorities, schools, universities, etc. All of which are primarily concerned with imparting education. So we'll basically be seeing the impact that COVID-19 has had on the macro environment of education.
0: Exactly. So COVID-19, everybody has been talking about it. Everybody um, was super updated, you know, initially, but soon after, Mm. like, in this point of time, it has sort of died down. And initially, when it all started, the first dilemma that policymakers had was to decide whether they wanted to, you know, keep the schools open and let the people continue their jobs, or whether to shut down the schools completely so that the virus could be... Um, curve so this was a big uh, you know confusion that policymakers had
1: exactly but I mean at the beginning you know it was a choice but as the situation escalated they had no choice I mean it became very clear what had to be done so um, I think the closure of schools started first in China in January And then when WHO declared a public health emergency, subsequently, almost all the countries in the world, you know, announced periods of lockdown resulting Mm. in closing down of schools and universities by the end of March. Right. And statistics
0: show that, you know, 106 countries are currently implementing nationwide closures, which means there's complete lockdown in their country whereas 55 countries are implementing only local closures so accordingly schools either had to shut down or remain open according to the government and unicef has um, shown that 98.6% of the world student population was affected i mean that's literally wow, all of them that's yeah exactly and approximately one point seven two five billion learners are affected. That's huge. That's huge. Right. So, um, like
1: you know, we said that most of the schools implemented lockdowns in March, but most of these schools that closed they didn't necessarily close in response to the pandemic. Uh, as in like some of them simply had their spring or summer breaks during that time so they were closed as a reason of that so oh. maybe at that yeah so maybe at that point you know it didn't seem like those countries schools and universities and education sector as a whole was affected by the virus but i mean now that you know it's been what five months since most of the countries have been under lockdown Uh, so those countries too have been you know experiencing the effect of these closures in the sense that finally now I mean they too have to you know resume uh, studies so they too are you know in a way now
0: experiencing the impact of COVID-19 yeah but so I mean for these countries it was much much easier you know Since the pandemic just coincided with their holidays. But in majority of the countries, March and April is actually the final exam season. Right. So, a lot of exams had to be conducted in this time. But then they were postponed, delayed. And eventually, you know, most of them got cancelled.
1: You know, I think what happened is that at the beginning, you know, educators, they thought that, okay... Maybe going ahead, the situation might get better. So, with yeah. that, they kept postponing the exams. But of course, the situation just got worse. So, they eventually had to just cancel the examinations.
0: Yeah, I mean, my own board exams, like the initial papers that we had to write, we wrote all of those. But in the end, one or two papers were actually canceled because of this pandemic. Oh. So much worse, you
1: know? Right. I mean, I guess in that aspect, we were lucky because we were, you know, able to write all of our examinations just a day or two before India uh, announced the lockdown. So I guess in that sense, we were lucky. But I think the ones who were actually lucky were you guys. since You guys didn't even have to write like one or two papers.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it got cancelled and it was such a sigh of relief. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but that's great, you know, that's great. Yeah, it was, but then we were all worried about our results because we literally did not write one whole exam, you know. So schools definitely had to come up with other alternative solutions and other ways to promote students. So this wasn't really an issue for. Primary grades because, you know, it's an unspoken rule that up until secondary school, you know, kids are not really failed. Yeah, but correct. You talk about seniors, the situation is different.
1: Definitely, yeah, and I think you know for that reason, a lot of schools came up with various criterias to you know promote their students. Um, some of them consider evaluating the performance of the students based on internal assignments, projects, and basically all the other schoolwork that the students did throughout the academic year. And a lot of other schools used something called predicted grades, which is kind of like an estimated grade that the teacher believes the student would have got under normal circumstances that is had the examinations taken place but don't you think that's sort
0: of i don't know
1: unfair or inaccurate
0: yeah definitely i mean uh, especially since we uh, can we're considering all the students you know when we talk about disadvantages students from lower backgrounds you know they don't yes yes very inaccurate for them and it's unfair you know to take this as a basis or take this as a criteria Mm -hmm, exactly
1: and then of course there's also um, the teacher's bias which although it's unintentional but like it's there
0: it's definitely there
1: yeah so undeniably so there's that as well But I think what universities did was something um, different. I mean, they came up with a set of safety net policies. And so these were, you know, put in place to ensure that none of the students were at a disadvantage academically because of the current situation. So they were basically just a bunch of policies that were like in favor of students. So yeah. some of them were like um, that the student could not score a grade lower than what they had received in their previous term or semester. And I think th- that's like a great policy because yeah. uh, some universities, you know, were unable to complete their academic term properly. As a result of which, you know, maybe the syllabus wasn't completed or the students didn't, you know, get a chance to properly pre- prepare for exams. So I think uh, this these policies were like, great. But then, of course, yeah, very few right. countries and
0: very few universities went ahead with this. Yeah, I mean, in this way, you know, teachers didn't have to break their heads to come up with some new policy. And even students got what they had already achieved so it was like a win-win situation.
1: Yeah exactly.
0: But then a lot of universities decided to go ahead with exams and the only way to do so was through online examination and of course there's a lot of trial, there's a lot of error and uncertainty regarding online exams, you know and these were not so viable for all the students and all the universities because it's a relatively new area.
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, we've all been talking about, you know, switching to digital learning for years now, but like since it all happened so quickly, that area hasn't been developed as it should have to, you know, carry all this out successfully. So, like you said, because of that there's been a lot of trial and error and like definitely a larger measurement error than usual.
0: Right. And that's just like the tip of the mountain, you know, we've exactly. already spoken in detail about this in our previous episode, which was such a great debate. And I'm sure um, if you haven't listened to it yet, you need to go and uh, listen to listen the previous to it suggestion. right now. Yes. Because
1: we talk about the advantages and disadvantages of both online and traditional learning.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you'll get a better idea after you listen to that. Right.
1: So, and I think and um, know, another major issue with uh, online assessments is that the current syllabus, right? I mean, it was designed for pen and paper tests. So Yeah, Exactly you know the essay type questions i mean those are the kind of questions that the current syllabus was designed for like i said but online tests as we know are standardized they contain mcq type questions etc so honestly i mean you cannot judge that syllabus through standardized tests so i think that's like another
0: you know problem with online assessments Right. And since we're talking about examinations, you know, this was also the time when government and competitive exams, public assessment, SATs, all of these, you know, tests are held. So the whole schedule of a normal student's life has been affected and it has been disrupted in so many ways. Completely. exams were delayed, dropped, replaced. And like so many things happened in between. So, exactly. Again, policymakers have to um, tackle the challenge of you know how and when to conduct these exams. Exactly, exactly.
1: And now moving on from examinations, I think the other area of like major concern has been resuming studies. You know, exactly. continuing the learning process, and for this purpose, um, most of the schools and universities shifted to remote online learning. But mind yeah. you, this change, this shift happened only in a handful of private schools and universities, right? Because most of uh, the government schools and universities, or the ones you know, in the low income countries they simply did not have the resources and the technology to adopt online teaching right so exactly. these schools and universities have had to completely shut down for not having access to e-learning solutions so yeah and i, I th- mean
0: lack of resources lack of technology it has affected students especially in the most remote and vulnerable areas you know 40% exactly. of and lower middle income countries have been unable to support the poor linguistic minorities and other students with disabilities, you know. And this has increased dropout rates, which is a difficult situation for the society. Digital learning has its own pros and cons, but, you know, it will definitely impact every individual student and um, it will impact the retention rate of students of course As of course. course even tuition revenues will have to decline
1: definitely i mean we've already seen you know students and uh, parents demanding that the fees right. be reduced and i mean rightly right. so they're no longer availing campus or university facilities, right? They're using their own resources and they're having to incur so many other expenses, especially students who are living, you know, uh, in other countries who have not been able to return to their own country. So Uh, I think their demands are fair. But of course, this again has had a huge, huge impact on universities, I mean, they have been put under financial burden, they're under a lot of, uh, you know, risk, like, losing out on students. And the dropout rates also, like you
0: said, have increased. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a period of financial crisis for everyone, you know, everybody has been working hard. And um, on the university side, you know, they are unable to offer scholarships and students are unable to you know pay these tuition fees so really students are now considering uh, to take a gap year and right, they really right. want to from education altogether or you know at least until things are normal of course
1: i mean whether you look at like the financial aspect of it or students are wanting to pursue higher education in other countries. You know, since uh, there's been a restriction on international travel because of the pandemic, you know, that too is the cross-border movement of students will definitely take a beating. And this is going to, you know, lead to a great loss for universities. Because in countries like um, USA, UK, Australia, these countries are highly dependent on income from international students from countries like India, China etc. So a lot of students may you know want to reconsider uh, the choice of whether or not to go abroad for higher education.
0: Yeah I mean students have been very hesitant right now you know to enroll in fall or summer semesters and this will sort of continue for two to three years, you know, depending on the situation.
1: Exactly. And, you know, since this has affected the retention rates for universities, uh, we're seeing a new wave of schools that are, in fact, considering resetting their tuition policies. So, you know, they're either um, lowering the tuition fees or offering incentives to continue, you know, enrollment, etc. Absolutely.
0: I mean, it's necessary, you know. Times like these require changes. Definitely. And this has also
1: um, affected the admissions overall because, again, this is a time where fresh admissions take place, be it, you know, for nursery or for universities. So as a result of, you know, all of these issues, Universities are now relooking their admission practices, their criteria, the recruitment process, and basically all of their policies uh, so that you know students can and will yeah. enroll because there's a serious yeah. fear of uh,
0: losing students and decrease in retention rates right and you know they need to come up with these new methods because. The whole application process, you know, it needs to be defined for times like these. And my own application, in fact, in university, my actual results were not out in time, you know, so I had to submit yeah. my predicted grades in order oh. to um, in order to enroll myself into a university. So really, things have to be changed, and I'm I'm sort of glad, you know, change is happening. I am hopeful.
1: There's been a drastic change. I mean, I think if we give it some time, um, we may be looking at some permanent changes, you know, in the education sector. And I think with time, these changes will happen, but like in a more developed, organized way so that... Okay. Everyone can benefit from it properly because right now we've only looked at how, you know, the education sector has been impacted and it has been impacted in almost every area. Whether you look at admissions or, you know, examinations or, you know, just continuing finance. of the learning process, finance,
0: yes. right. But the other side you of this stakeholders, right, teachers, parents, students. We all have been affected by this and we are definitely going to address this in our next episode, where we're going to talk about how you and me, all of us on an individual level have been affected. Right. And,
1: you know, we're really curious to know how COVID-19 has affected you and your education, etc. So do let us know what your individual experience has been through our Instagram Q&A.
0: Yes, definitely. And you can also reach out to us on our Twitter, Instagram, on YouTube, and our email, all under the same name, Two Pupils in a Pod.
1: For more details, you can visit our website, www.twopupilsinapod.com. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Signing off until next time, we are your hosts, Sakina and Fatima.